Millennials are grossly underestimated. Their jobs aren't their whole world. They have options, they have the internet. Job satisfaction and strength of relationships, there ain't no app for that. Education is not a mechanical system, it's a human system. Any kind of work that's on some level predictable, then that's gonna be susceptible to artificial intelligence and, and machine learning. And that job, where you go to a building and you stay there 40 hours, and then you do that again for 40 years and then you retire, that's gone. Technology magnifies our leverage and increases our creativity. Stay hungry, stay foolish. Please wait as your individualized operating system is initiated. This is the Powerful Nonsense Podcast, guiding you through the madness of modern life. This podcast is sponsored by the University of Northampton, the first UK university to be awarded the Ashoka U Changemaker Campus status, in recognition of their commitment to social entrepreneurship. Now, here are your hosts, Wayne Ingram and Jem Yildiz. Hello, Powerful Nonsenses. Hello. We have returned to your ear holes once again. On a Sunday bloody morning. Yes. Impressive. That's commitment for you. There you go. Screw the Sabbath day. <laughs> We're here to podcast. It's Who powerful needs nonsense rest? day. <laughs> no rest for us. Um, if you're joining us for the first time, I am Wayne Ingram. And I am Jem Yordis. And you are here for probably the best 30 plus minute conversation you're going to hear all week. It's a bold statement there, Wayne. I think oh, so. all week. Okay, I'll, all I'll take that. I thought you could say of all time. Well, I mean, it could be. If Let's not be defeatist here. If you've probably never spoke to anyone in your life before, <laughs> 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 then this could be the one. <laughs> Well, let's not, you know, let's not be defeatist. It could very well be the greatest conversation of all time. This could change your life. That's what we're saying. Yeah. We could we could actually drastically disrupt the very laws of nature with this conversation. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, we probably won't, to be fair. But it will be a very good conversation. I'm going to stick with my all week. Mm-hmm. All week. Um, so we're going to talk today about YOLO... Money management. Mm-hmm. Good title. Yeah. Who came up with that? Probably me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so where did that, where did the idea come from? Because this was very much your idea for an episode. Yeah, I think as um, I've been reading a lot of like, obviously a lot of articles been popping up and how millennials are like rubbish with money and we'd rather spend on avocado toast and we're like <laughs> <laughs> literally saving nothing for retirement. And I thought this would be a good discussion to talk about how millennials are sort of managing their money mm-hmm. and um, whether they are at all in any way. So yeah. there's a lot of contradicting um, articles we're going to go through. Mm-hmm. Some saying we're bad, some say we're good. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, let's like break it down. I mean, we're millennials ourselves, so we kind of fall into a lot of these stats anyway. Yeah. And I'm going to do my usual uh, disclaimer when we start talking about money. We are not financial advisors, so please do not take anything that we say as gospel. And if you are thinking of changing the way that you manage your money, then please do get in contact with an actual legitimate <laughs> financial advisor, because quite frankly, we could be talking out of our ass. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best disclaimer. <laughs> I think that should no, be the disclaimer for everything. I could, quite frankly, be talking out no, of my ass. I think I might have to just cut and repeat that for every single episode. Just, <laughs> just before people tune in. <laughs> what you're about to hear could be total bullshit. <laughs> you're choosing to listen to two fellas sitting on a sofa on a Sunday morning. <laughs> 
That's no way to live Talking your life. bollocks. <laughs> yeah, so on that note. <laughs> on that note, let's begin. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, I actually had kind of had this realisation uh, myself maybe about a month ago and I went, 30 is fast approaching and uh, I haven't really got my shit in order financially, <laughs> quite frankly. And then I was like... I don't have a pension or anything. Maybe I should get a pension set up. And then you were like, no, no, don't get a pension. That was your advice to me. Yeah, there you go. Um, so, because I'm kind of in the camp of kind of going, yeah, I really haven't planned for my future. I've been very short-sighted, short-term thinking. So I very much sit in the camp of uh, the stereotypical millennial um, not saving for the future. Whereas perhaps... You sit on the other side? Not really. I was speaking to a friend yesterday and we were having this debate about, obviously, the whole thing around millennials is like, oh, when can you finally save enough to get that deposit for a house? And he was like, the funny thing is, like, we've been that sort of generation. We've had a lot of fun. He goes, you, you only turn like 25, 26, and you're like, yeah, you know all that money I've been making for the last 10 years? I should probably start saving some of it. Uh-huh. And then he was sort of saying that, yeah, that we just, millennials don't, I think after you've hit after 25, you start thinking in your head, oh, now I should probably start putting some money aside. But then the flip side of that... <laughs> I wait till I hit 28. 28, yeah. <laughs> but this is a crazy thing. Like, obviously, I think we spend a lot of money. I think I think what's happened as well, though, when we're younger, people have sort of told us, like, you're never going to get on the ladder anyway or you're never going to be able to save enough. And mm. the, when you, even when you start saving, while your money is sitting in your bank, is actually, like, devaluing anyway because the house prices are going up, like, every month higher and higher so mm-hmm. even you probably can't save quicker than the amount of so even with the interest that you're getting you're not well you're not getting any interest off the well, bank no, that's anything substantial number one let's be honest, you but are i'm just saying in terms of like okay you need to put together 20 30 grand for a deposit on a house that house might in london that house is only going to get you i mean that's if two of you are doing it maybe and that's even if you're lucky that you're doing it in a partnership if you're on your own you've got to save a hell of a lot of money so if you have, you've got to have like a deposit then you've got obviously and um, obviously they give you five times your salary that's the average of what a mortgage will give you and then you can so basically you're looking at you've got to be saving if you're on your own off your own back you've probably got to save a whole lot of money like that could be up to like 50k or something because mm-hmm. you're gonna need your stamp duty or this and that but i just think it's so tough and that literally that 250 grand house that you're saving for you're saving your i don't know 500 pound 300 pound a month or something that's going to take you how many years? And by that time, that house, if that was 250, is now 450. And literally. <laughs> yeah. So you got to save double what you were saving yeah. before. And there was a really interesting article. I shared it on the. Um, That's a good point, actually. I hadn't thought about it that way. So literally, you cannot, you physically cannot save. I mean, as somebody who's working a general nine to five job, your, your salary doesn't go up that high. You're probably, on average, they say it's like, what, 30K in London. You might get a pay rise every year or so where you're on 32, then 36, then 38, and then, 50, I don't know, 45. Mm. But that's like over a five-year span. And in that time, who knows what your life is doing. A lot of people are traveling nowadays. Savings are just kind of not a top priority and I think people have got to the point where they know that they're not going to be able to save enough to buy their own home so actually Mm -hmm. renting is the only option Mm -hmm. which ain't a bad option either like it's not that you need to have a property but it just seems to be that they're saying obviously millennials want to get onto that sort of housing market it's kind of what we expect to do Mm -hmm. but in some ways actually I think for a lot of young people that is literally a pipe dream and there was an article I shared on Powerful Nonsense's um story on instagram yesterday and it was sort of saying like millennials powerful underscore nonsense yeah that one and literally it was just sort of saying that millennials like aren't gonna build their wealth 
themselves like through work and it just isn't going to happen it can't happen the only way they're actually going to raise some substantial money is from inheritance which luckily some people have but a lot of people don't and so literally that already makes it a lot harder for some people who haven't got a parent that's going to give them 50 grand or i don't know 100 grand so they can get on the ladder and then the other side of that is well you've kind of got to think well i need to take advantage of the current way the world is working the online and become entrepreneurial and create a business that's going to create me money a lot faster because i generally think that for the world we live in i don't think sort of employment just general employment is enough to get you there no and 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 i think that's ultimately where um you know it i think if you go back and listen to the powerful nonsense manifesto episode which we did probably about a year ago now um maybe a little bit longer um, I, I think that's where we come to when, cause we do lean very much towards entrepreneurship and self-employment, um, as your best option. I think that's partly why, because, um, as I've gone on record and said many times on the podcast before, one thing that my dad used to say to me when I was younger, which has always stuck in my head is you'll never obtain any significant amount of wealth working for someone else. And I think it's so true. And, um, so here's a question because you were talking a lot about houses there, which obviously saving for your future is not necessarily about houses, mm-hmm. but as millennials in particular, um, we look at saving for a house. That is the goal. That's why you're saving. You're saving for a house. You're not saving for retirement. It's specifically for a house. Do you think, that as a generation, we have been promised far too much in the sense of uh, promised our potential. Do you think we've been set up for failure because what we've been um, told to expect out of life is not actually attainable? Because if you think about it, until, what, the 70s, when Margaret Thatcher allowed everyone to buy the council houses, Mm from the council, being a homeowner was a fairly rare thing. Whereas now, I mean, good luck finding a council house that's still a council house. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Birmingham, when I was little, it was all council houses, pretty much. And then over time, as I grew up, particularly through the 90s, most of them became privately owned properties. So do you think, therefore, that... the the previous generation has had the opportunity to buy those houses and really our best hope of getting a house is actually inheritance rather than actually. I think for a lot of people, actually, that is the only option to get in a house, number one, like especially if you live in London, like there is no way you're getting on the property ladder without a significant amount of money given to you from parents or you've literally been saving from the minute you left school. You've been living at home. You've been not going out. You've been literally, which is another thing that people do and it is possible, but like it's it's, it's extreme, but it's what you kind of need to do. Like you ain't going to put 20, 30K in the bank over a few years unless no. you are literally living on as minimal as possible, no expenses, yeah. reducing your expenses. But I think another thing that people need to kind of question as well, like a house is not the be all and end all. It doesn't, right? it's not, like it's nice and it's great and it is good to have your own place, but it, it's not ideal. And I think what you need to sort of break down, which I think a lot of people don't consider, and I've mm-hmm. been listening to a lot of Grant Cardone, who's got a great podcast and he's a bit like, 
I don't know, he's a bit out there. I think he's he's a bit like Gary Vee. You either love him or hate him. And I, the more I've been listening to him, I've got quite interested because he always says that like buying a house is a really bad investment to make. Mm. And it's sort of on that idea that actually a lot of people want to be able to be flexible to move around. Mm. But also ultimately you buy a house because in that moment it feels like the perfect place to be and etc this is where we're going to be for the next five years but he was like do you know what you could actually get a rental that's even better in a better location and it's actually like who knows like just say you wanted a really nice house in london somewhere and you know your rent's like 1500 a month or something like it's more attainable for you to pay that rent for the next five years 1500 and increase how much you earn so that you could have that house and rather than you saying, well, I want to buy that house, which is 600K, which means I need a 200K or 100K um, savings. So actually what you what you want is to live in that property, not like the difference is in your mind that you own it compared to renting it. Like I like my place now and I was lucky enough to get it. It's a subscription model, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. It's, it's a literally that. model you, of housing. That's how you have to think about it because ultimately when we go, when we go, when you go right down to what it is, ultimately you just want to live in a certain location and have a certain house like that's it like on my head i don't think well this is a mortgage like it feels like that anyway because you're paying a certain amount each month it might mm-hmm. be slightly lower than rent but it's not much lower so actually you can have that and i think that's what i think you're sort of saying there is that people feel like entitled that they should have a house and that it's a great investment but actually it's not always like an ideal investment yes they go up in value but i think oh me you need to kind of think about like the lifestyle part of it really mm. because it's not it's not a necessity really and mm-hmm. i think like i say like i think we've got to get to that point where most people will realize actually unless you are going to inherit a lot of money or you create a business and it does amazing for you it's pretty unlikely that for a long while you're ever going to get on the ladder yeah and i was even talking about this it's more political but the guy was saying to me yes one of my friends he was like as well and like, obviously governments aren't going to build so much property because they'll devalue every other property in mm-hmm. london if we mm-hmm. built up and everybody mm-hmm. could buy then mm-hmm. the whole housing market crashes because there's too much, the whole sort of supply, supply and demand. demand. Yeah. So actually it's never going to happen and that's why they're building a certain amount in certain locations. Which mm-hmm. are, and it's, again, that's more political and yeah. I don't want to go into that. You, you touched on uh, lifestyle a second ago. Mm-hmm. So I have to bring up this very controversial article or interview rather mm-hmm. uh, with this Australian entrepreneur, um, billionaire, I believe. Um, and this kind of did the rounds and it... it infuriated quite a lot of people but i don't think it's all that inaccurate actually is basically this uh millionaire um i can't remember the name of him but uh there's a article on the guardian reporting on it and we'll link that in the show notes um who basically said that um look millennials if you if you want to get this house that you keep going on about then stop buying avocado on toast (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, bit of a bold statement. And yes, okay, it is a bold statement. And, um, you know, there is, it it may be a slightly harsh comment, but actually I think the premise of what he's saying is really not that far off. I mean, if you think about, um, let's say you go to Pret in the morning before work and you buy yourself a coffee and maybe a pastry or something slightly more healthier. I don't know. But that's going to cost you, cost you three, four quid, something like that. And you do that five days a week, so that's 20 quid. And then you do that for 300, uh, sorry, 52, or let's say 51 days of the year. Let's, actually, no, let's make it easy. 50 days of the year. Weeks. 
weeks. You know what I mean. <laughs> um, so that's a thousand pounds that you spent on coffee and pastry. Mm-hmm. A thousand. And whilst, yes, that's not going to be the difference between you being able to save for a house and not being able to save for a house, it will certainly make a huge, significant difference in actually your financial uh, <clears throat> stability, let's say. Um, you know, and when you start going to the avocado realm, that's <laughs> when it starts getting a lot more expensive. Uh-huh. You know, multiply that by, uh, you know, probably another two, three. That's three grand you're saving. Yeah, and that kind of really plays into the other article that we kind of got a link to, which was all about like millennials actually really good at saving, but they're really good at saving for the things that they want. So like a holiday, like how many people now go on like four or five holidays a year and that's going to cost you like a grand or so maybe at a time. Mm-hmm. And millennials could do that all day long. Like if they want to go see something on Facebook and they want to go to a certain place, like you can fly there quite cheaply, you know, you can get cheap accommodation, Airbnb. And so actually... They are, I think millennials are good at saving, but for certain things. And I think what he's saying there is like that thousand pound that you just mentioned there, it might not help. Like I say, you're not that far, you saved that thousand pound this year. You're not going to buy a house with that. Yeah. Right? Next, well, that thousand pound you saved this year, next year is only worth 850 pound because of how much things are going up in price or in terms of you buying that property because your money's devaluing as you, as the world's going on. So if an, a house this year is 400 and then next year is 500, like your money's now less on the ma- basis of how much you're saving. Mm-hmm. But I think the way you've got to kind of look at it is that actually that thousand pound could be an investment that makes you more money. So that could be that you took a course this year and actually now that means that you've learned a new coding language for the business you work for and now your salary goes up by another five grand or 10 grand because you now know that thing which then means your your potential to earn has increased, which means it's become a good investment or you decide to buy, I don't know, with that £1,000, you decide to start a little side business where you buy a printing machine for T-shirts and you start printing your own T-shirts, which now that little side business starts making you four grand a year extra. Again, that £1,000 is productive money. So I get what you're saying in that sense, mm-hmm. but I think the whole philosophy of don't buy a coffee and try save like save that little extra pound here and there. it's not it's not the right way to think about it you've got you've got to think of your money as how does that money kind of go to work in some ways how does it not just sit there because you're not going to get any interest in the bank you've got to kind of make your money productive in some ways and i think that's something that i think a lot of millennials don't really think about and they get pissed off maybe that mm-hmm. their bosses or manager isn't giving them the money they want yeah we'll we'll come back to that in a second um, but we do need to take a break to thank the sponsor <coughs> of the show. We should, I should make a little jingle, I think. I don't think you should. Sponsor the show. No, I don't. No? no. Okay. Just go straight into it. <laughs> <laughs> Makes it easier on the editing yeah. for you, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so I need to say a massive thank you to uh, the University of Northampton. If you've been listening to the show for a long time, you know that they have been sponsoring the show for a long time. Um, two years now. Um, and we're always very, very thankful for the support that they show us, not just in terms of their sponsorship, but generally as well. We're in constant contact with them all the time. Um, but how does this, why is this important to you? I hear you cry. Um, well, um, if you are looking to maybe do a, uh, undergrad degree or a postgrad degree, you might be looking to go into the MA, MSc route, um, then Northampton might be worth checking out. They've recently just achieved the gold. I don't know the official name of the award, but the new government scheme, which basically helps rank the universities and 
the University of Northampton's just achieved gold, which I think puts it at the same level of as Oxford and Cambridge. So I hear. <laughs> we'll take that. So I hear. Um, so that that means that the government certainly believes that they're a very very high standard university. Um, but beyond that, and most importantly of all. They really, really, really like supporting entrepreneurial thinking, entrepreneurial ideas, and they've got loads of different societies and, um, like, university-run societies, so not student-run societies, um, and um, programs that are running within the university to help take those business ideas or charity ideas and take them to the next level, um, often offering funding and all sorts of support. Um, for those business ideas. So if you're thinking, yeah, great, I do want a degree, but I also maybe want to try my hand in an entrepreneurial venture, then check them out, northampton.ac.uk. And a massive thank you to them, as always, for supporting the show. Lovely. So Mm -hmm. you were saying about um, the thought of just saving a few pounds here and there and compounding that um, is not necessarily the right way to think about it. I just think it's too slow for how quickly okay. things are increasing. I think like, yeah, you might be able to save a hundred quid a month and that's great. But again, I think the quicker way to look at it is how does that hundred pound go to work as quick as possible? Or you might need to save like I do. I just think nowadays you have to think entrepreneurial. But you have to increase. I agree with how you. How much but, you can but earn. Why, what, uh, what is it too slow for is the question I would ask. Well, I think again, well, literally that's a good question to say actually, because ultimately the whole reason you'll earn money in any way is because there's this particular lifestyle you want to lead. And that's how I started, how I, Mm -hmm. what I want to earn, what I want to do, want to have my own place. How many holidays do I want to go on? I do think that ultimately the whole starting point for anything in terms of your money. And if you went to a, um, a finance advisor, they would sit you down and say, okay, how do you want to live your life? And how do we start putting things in place that when you retire, or if you want to retire at 30, 40, 50, whatever age, what do you want to live off and how how do you want to live? Do you want to go on six holidays? Um, do you want to live in a big house in London or do you want to live in a quiet place in the country? So ultimately you need to kind of audit how you hope to live. And I think mm. for a lot of millennials, it's, I mean, we're in London. London. A lot of millennials expect to go on a couple of holidays a year, which is cheaper to holiday. And who knows, maybe you want to shop in a certain place. Do you want to have some spending with clothing? I think you need to sit down and really audit, like, not like go too, well, you can go extravagant if you want, if that's how you want to live your life. But just think about, like, what things in, in my life make me happy and what where what kind of life would I like to lead? And it can only that could be just for the next five years, that mm. could be your plan. And I literally wrote this out as well, where I was like, okay, well, I want my own place. I want to make sure I can still go on holidays. I want a business, but I don't want to, I want to have flexibility in how I work and stuff like that. And you kind of, it looks maybe for some people, that might be really daunting if you're already right. like a nine to fiver, but at least you've kind of got that plan in your mind of what you want. And then you can start putting in those sort of financial planning to kind of mm-hmm. think, okay, well, how do I start to get there? Mm-hmm. Because a certain life, like, to be honest, if you said, well, I'm, you know what, I just want to pay my rent. I mean, just outside of London, it's cheaper. I do a nine to five, I get paid 30, 35K a year. I, I, at the end of the month, I've still got 500 pounds left over. I'm going on holidays. I'm pretty happy. I'm content. Well, then you've already got your finances under control because actually yeah. it already meets the lifestyle that you want to lead. Or you can still go for your avocado toast in the local cafe uh-huh. and get your organic coffee or whatever else you want to get. Because everybody's different. Everybody has a certain way they want to live. Mm. But it just depends. Like, and, and I think nowadays, obviously, we just see how 
the potential of how different people are living and so obviously that might sway how we think we should live oh do we we deserve to have more than one holiday a year we deserve to live in a nice location and have i don't know two animal two pets and this and that so Uh it's just auditing literally how you want to live and then kind of working backwards and i just think from a lot of my friends who i speak to i know a lot of them want their own place they see that as that's that sort of next thing but then if you audit how they are and what you could just it's not even being like rude it's just saying well currently yeah you might be employed but how high is your pay going to go how much more can you save right do your parents have inheritance because at the moment there's no way you're going to get there so you kind of have to change something and i think that's why a lot of young people are pushing towards self-employment entrepreneurship um again it is important i think nowadays like i I say to bit like to my girlfriend like it's so tough like my brother as well says it's it's so tough for like a single person to kind of right hit the nail like to do those things that age like to buy a place like and this is where as a singleton mm. i do get very frustrated about the way that the system currently works i personally think that Um, as a single person with regard to um, rent and mortgages and whatever, I don't think it would be a harmful thing for governments to maybe uh, produce some sort of subsidy or something like that to allow, because if you're single, like your aspirations compared to everybody else is just completely crushed. Mm -hmm. And it's not necessarily because it's for no fault of your own beyond the fact that the system just doesn't favor those that are single mm-hmm. because let's face it if you were not in a long-term relationship there'd be you nowhere i'd be living this, here i wouldn't be able to wouldn't have been able to get a mortgage impossible no. and and that's where for me that it's got to the point now where the system is so fundamentally broken and it it wasn't that like that it it's just house house prices have got to such a ridiculous level here for example that it's it's now out of reach for a single person. My mm-hmm. um, uncle is single, and he's he owns his own flat. I mean, admittedly, it's also in Birmingham, which is in terms of property value a lot less. Um, but I don't think he'd be able to buy that flat on his own now. Um, and and that's something that I that I think does really need to be addressed. But for whatever reason, um, hasn't really been brought to the attention of people enough. Um, but I certainly feel the pressures of it. I kind of going, well, I can't even, it's, it's at the point where really I can't even afford to rent a place on my own, rent a place mm. on my own. Well, that's what they're saying. Like, look how many millennials are now in like flat shares with like six other people yeah. because it's totally out of their mindset. But then that goes back where if, if in your head, again, that means that if, if for you, your idea is I can rent my own flat, it could be a one bed, nice studio somewhere. Mm-hmm. And I can't do that currently. Then again, it's that whole assessing of okay, how the hell do I now increase it so that that if that becomes potential, right. or if I do want to have my own flat and I want to buy one, how do I get there? Is it possible? What what salary? It might even look like you need to earn a hundred k salary a year. Who knows? Like it will be those sort of ridiculous I mean, numbers. That'd be nice. But that's what I'm saying. It's those sort of ridiculous, which seem out there numbers. There's someone doing it, obviously. Mm. But I just think it takes going to those extremes nowadays for anything to... Mm. But then at the same time, um, I think actually if you were to break the numbers down, they may not be as ridiculous as you might seem. Go back. It's one of our... I think personally one of our favourite episodes that we've done, which is the Minimal Viable Living episode. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you go and you break those numbers down, I think you might be pleasantly surprised as to 
um, not necessarily how little um, it is, because I don't think it will be a small amount, but how much less than what you expected mm. um, that your monthly living costs might actually be. Mm. And I think you could easily bring them down uh, to save that extra money. But then this is, again, where it comes to, and this is why the title of the episode, I suppose, um, with the YOLO thing, is, you know, don't... I, I think the previous generation would say just save your money, save your money, save your money because you're going to need it for when you retire. Um, but I mean, let's face it at the minute when as a generation, we're not going to be retiring till we're in our seventies at the rate it's going. What's this age 65 now? And I think it's only going to get, I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday with the rate that health technology is going. Yeah, you ain't retiring. You're going to be a robot. <laughs> well, it, it won't necessarily be that you'll be a robot, but the health technology that on a consumer level that we'll be having is going to, you'll see life expectancy shoot up mm-hmm. because the technology will start to break into the infrastructure of the way we look after ourselves, mm-hmm. which it's already doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really, really early. I mean, the the consumer level health based technology has only been around for about three or four years, mm. really, um, on a on a mass scale. And I think when it starts hitting the zeitgeist a lot more, I think you're going to see that life expectancy spike. So as a generation, I don't think we worry quite so much about how we're going to be, which may be short sighted. Mm-hmm. It may be ignorant. It may be naive, um, but I don't think we worry quite so much about what life's going to look like when we're in our 60s and our 70s because I think we assume, rightly or wrongly, that we'll be just fine, thank you very much. Um, so then we decide <laughs> to focus on the here and now. And mm. again, and I, I always say it, I think 2008, the uh, economic crash that happened was a real, real eye-opener for our generation. Because what essentially happened in that was we witnessed the previous generation, our parents' generation, who had worked really, really hard um, throughout our entire childhood to save and prepare for retirement. And almost overnight, or certainly over 12 months, lost pretty much everything in terms of monetary value well they put they sort of had that playbook and they were playing it out perfectly mm-hmm. and we were told look look what they're doing it's all the right thing and like you say that rug was just pulled out overnight and then i think straight away then obviously that's when we was at university but we knew coming out that the world was gonna be very different how you get jobs can be very different and i think that was like what you say is that for millennials you start to think well actually they did everything right and it still fucked up so mm-hmm. it's sort of put that mentality into us that Maybe it's this this doesn't work the way they're doing it. Mm. And maybe it's just better to just enjoy it and go with the flow. Mm-hmm. Kind of ride ride the motions. The whole YOLO, eh? The whole YOLO. Yeah, but I also think as well... I wonder if YOLO would have come around if uh, 2008 <laughs> hadn't happened. <laughs> I don't know. We'll look into that. But yeah, I just think that nowadays as well, I think young people are seeing, like like you say, the generations ahead of them. They're saying, well, you guys did it that way. And are you happy? I mean, we could look at our parents' generation and say, are, are you happy now? You did it the exact way you was meant to. And I think young people are more conscious, well, quite consciously now thinking about like, you know what, you can... Instead of waiting for that end point to enjoy your life, can we enjoy it as we go? Mm-hmm. Because we never know what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so coming to the end of the episode, any closing thoughts before we wrap up? Because I think we've kind of scattergunned all over the place with this idea. But any kind of, if you could consolidate it into a sentence or two, 
and, what then, would your... and then we'll just delete everything before then and i'll just put that part out as the <laughs> yeah. podcast yeah <laughs> I, I think for me really when it comes to finances i think you just kind of have to number one just look into how you want to live i do think the mb mvp episode that we did is really MVL. MVL, MVP is a wrestler, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Minimal Viable Living um, episode is great for that beginning part where you're kind of, like for me, I, that worked for me while I was trying to save up my deposit to move out, which was excellent. But then after the bit, you have to think, you have to think about both ways. That way for what you're trying to achieve. But the other side of it is then what is that ideal lifestyle? Not like some extravagant lifestyle, but what would be your ideal lifestyle? Mm-hmm. If you could start and look at that and then you've got to obviously audit what you're currently doing, how much you earn in, how how often is that increasing? How can you increase your value? How does it become more valuable to the market, the skill sets that you have? Mm-hmm. And so I think that know how you want to live and then you kind of just have to work backwards and say, okay, well, this job is never going to get me there. I'm never going to be able to save enough. Okay, do I go self-employed? Do I start creating a business? Do I start, do I know that I've got some inheritance coming from and a grandma or something like that? You've got to kind of look around. Not where... from a long lost relative in Uganda. <laughs> hey, not... Mr. Tequembo said that. <laughs> Mr. Tequembo yielded said that <laughs> I've got a lot of money coming. <laughs> I just had to send him a couple of grand to release it. <laughs> um, anyway. Um, yeah, no, I think, I think that's a good, a good summary. Just start with lifestyle first is basically what we're saying. And, and yeah, just put your, think about how that money that you currently save can be then increase your value in terms of your education, in terms of actually experiencing having a good life. Yes, it's fine to go on holiday here and there, but just see how that plays into your sort of longer plan. We should really do an episode on self value or self valuation. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like we could go off on a massive tangent now and do another whole episode (laughs) um, on that. So something to look out for i think um so we'll wrap up there um again i will with the disclaimer we're not financial advisors so if you are looking to change the way you're managing your money please do get in contact with a financial advisor proper yeah this is just based on our own experiences yes and our own hypotheses Uh, our minimal knowledge (laughs) (laughs) um so thanks very much for tuning in, as always. Um, if you'd like to follow us on social media, uh, you can do so. Uh, at Powerful underscore Nonsense for Instagram and at PN underscore Podcast on Twitter. If you want to tweet me directly, I'm at Wayne underscore Ingram and Jem is at C-K-Y-I-L-D-I-Z-C-K-Yildiz. Correct. <laughs> yeah, nailed it. And also, keep asking, but... They're not really happening. We did get one new review in. <laughs> did we? Recently. Yeah. Lovely. Should probably read that out on the next episode just to entice you all to review more. Um, but yeah, we need more reviews because it really just helps spread the word of the show more than anything else. Because uh, it pops us up on those rankings on iTunes, which is how a lot of people find their podcasts. So if you could leave us a review, if you get anything of value from listening to us, then please, please, please. Please, 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 please do. Because there's a lot of listeners out there and not a lot of reviews. <laughs> yeah. <Anyway>. So <laughs> I'm calling you out. Anyway. anyway, it's time for our avocado toast. So uh, yes. we'll uh, <laughs> see you next time. <laughs> Catch you next time. Catch you next time.